Brasser, Harrison, Ravel, Rabwin, and uh, Irene Meyer Selznick, Selznick's the then wife and the daughter of the head of MGM, facilitated productions within it, within the Hollywood studio system, are being uncovered by a growing network of feminist film historians and scholars. Because of Hollywood's exclusionary racial practices, all of these women were white, and several came from exceptionally privileged families. Women from modest backgrounds, such as Alma Ravel, entered filmmaking when it was lacking in prestige and established hierarchies. She showed Hitchcock the ropes and was largely relegated to her husband's shadow. These women's stories tell not of the genius of the system, in that famous phrase, but the work and care of navigating institutional barriers, sometimes in league with each other, and allow us to broaden the frame of film history and critique narrow notions of authorial control. As in the male cover-up plot of Rebecca, which depends on Maxime falsely identifying an unclaimed woman as Rebecca, there are many others who never had the chance. That is Patricia White on Rebecca in the British Film Institute's Film Classics series. Well, thanks for listening to Community Radio KBOO Portland and Film at 11, which will be back next Friday, the 19th. So until then... Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Radio Land. I am Eldridge Cleaver, the former Minister of Information of the Black Panther Party. You are listening to KBOO Portland. This is listener-sponsored, non-commercial community radio I want you to listen to and support KBOO because Portland needs it, you need it, and the world needs it. Ubalagani, boing, boing. The following program is a special encore rebroadcast for these unique pandemic times sourced from decades-old cassette tapes. Decades-old cassette tapes. Decades-old cassette tapes. Dates, times, and events mentioned in said cassettes have already occurred and are no longer relevant and the sound quality at times can be horrible. Thank you for listening and for tuning in to KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio is hiring for a development director. Our development director oversees KBOO's fundraising, donor and business outreach, and leads the development team with light supervisory duties. Our ideal candidate has at least four years of proven development experience in the nonprofit sector preferably with significant foundation and major donor fundraising work. For a complete job description and instructions on how to apply, visit kboo.fm employment. Apply by February 24th. KBOO is an affirmative action and equal opportunity employer. All you need is love. Why do you love KBOO? Tell us what you most love about KBOO Community Radio and we will use it on air during our next membership drive. Record a one-minute testimonial using the KBOO mobile app, or use a voice recording app on your phone and email it to info at kboo.org. That's info at kboo.org. Thank you. You're listening to Pacific Underground on KBOO Community Radio. Pacific Underground is currently on hiatus, so what you're hearing is going to be a rerun from February of 2019. Good morning. You're listening to Pacific Underground on KBOO Radio. I'm Sarah, your host, and today fellow member Jake and I are joined by artist Yukio Kawano. Yukio Kawano is a third-generation Hibakusha, atomic bomb survivor, who grew up decades after the bombing of Hiroshima. Her work is personal, reflecting lasting attitudes toward the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Kawano received her MFA from Vermont College of Fine Art in 2012. 
Kawano has also given lectures at Aspen Institute in Tokyo, Portland State University, Portland, Oregon, Whitman College, Walla Walla, Washington, Bowdoin College, Brunswick, Maine, among many others, and also appeared in radio shows. Since 2016, Kawano's project, Suspended Moment, is selected by New York Foundation of the Arts Fiscal Sponsorship. Kawano is currently living in Portland, Oregon. Great, so that's a little bit about her, and without further ado, let's get into the interview. Yeah, yeah, so、um, Sarah and I are really excited to host Yuki. We've known of her work. I met her a year ago, or a little over a year ago, through our mutual friend, Allison Cobb.、Um, so, could you?、Um, we got a little bit of the, the bare bones、um, from. The bio, but you,、uh, tell us a little bit about your background. You didn't grow up in the US, right? Right.、Um, I came to Portland 2000, 2001,、uh, February 2001, so、uh, just before 9 11. Oh, wow.、Um, yeah, f- from Hiroshima, Japan. So Portland is my you know, first time experiencing America. And the culture and everything. Yeah, and that was after high school, right? You were in、uh, mm-hmm. college. You'd, you'd finished college in Japan and moved yeah, here as、I、an artist. Yeah, I was already working in, in Hiroshima.、Oh. So I was in my mid 20s when、okay. I came here.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that must have been a little bit of a culture shock. Yes. To come to Portland. It's not a very big city. It's a, smaller than Hiroshima, right? Is Hiroshima a bigger city? It's.、Uh, It's, the population is about the same, but、uh, Hiroshima, I mean, Japanese city, are more compact.、Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Portland, I mean,、uh, yeah, Portland is more spread out, the change. Yeah, so,、um, so growing up,、uh, did you hear you know, many stories、uh, from your grandmother about、um, uh, the tragedy, or was it something that just everybody knew about but wasn't talked about very often? Right, so it's,、um, I think it's kind of similar in a lot of communities who experience the tragedy. The trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you're not, this,、uh, you're not so special. Like you're not the only person who suffers、uh, the atrocity. So,、um, yeah, you're whatever the. The story that you have, you kind of take it in and,、mm. and think that it's happened to everybody in, in a specific city. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so you don't really talk about it.、Mm-hmm. And was there a sense of just sort of like being grateful that you survived and just move forward? Don't think about the past.、Um, right. Just think about the future, right? Mm hmm. Well, it's the survival mechanic, me- mechanism, right. Right? right? Like, yeah, you, if, if you are the first generation、uh, survivor, you just have to think about how to survive. Right. Which is happening to a lot of、uh, community or the nations in this very moment. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. I'm actually I'm curious.、Um, So, three of my grandparents were in the internment camps here in the, in the US during World War II.、Um, and, like, the Japanese American community has this whole, you know, shikata ga nai, gamang, shiro kind of mentality, which is, you know, like,、um, we just have to be resilient and move on type of a thing. Is that, was there some of that sort of mentality、um, in Japan as well? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. There is a strong mentality. And, Because of the,、um, the history of Japanese as a perpetrator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So,、um, and my grandfather, who, is, who was a Hibakusha,、mm-hmm. um, went to the、uh, war in China too. He was, you know, in, in the midst of、uh, the atrocity was happening in China. And so, Shikataganai is. Very much there.、Mm-hmm. Like, because we did it too to other people. Right,、yeah. okay.、Mm. So that, that was like something like really strong. 
in our community or in our family. Um, so I grow up in it. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that makes it really kind of complex. Yeah, com- and, and, really and complicated. nuanced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very complicated. Those feelings of like okay, yeah, we- shame that you know right. and guilt that yeah. sort of like prevent you from dealing with your own victimhood, your own pain, mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah, it's so it's left to the later generations to try to separate separate that and um what or could, tie it together or tie it together mm-hmm. yeah yeah it just makes sense of it all mm-hmm. uh could you tell me what the um uh the literal translation of the japanese phrase that you mentioned was oh shikata ga nai mm-hmm. um yeah it's like i mean i think it's kind of nuanced because i don't know if there's like a direct direct translation mm-hmm. especially like in the mentality of it um perseverance but, maybe? yeah perseverance and like just like you, it can't be helped sort of a right. sort of a thing mm-hmm. yeah i think that's probably the mm. best translation of it yeah just sort this. of a, a fatalistic you know like um that's yeah and it's so definitely it's definitely a survival mechanism for sure mm-hmm. coping mm. mechanism and it's i mean it's interesting in the community here because the the more recent generations have been trying to sort of not just like discard that but like try to realize that it doesn't necessarily fit us anymore um and because those kind of mentalities prevented us from speaking out Mm -hmm. as much in the past and so we're trying to break down um those mentalities now and say you know it might have been a great coping mechanism before but it doesn't necessarily serve us now so Mm. I was just curious if it was similar in Japan because I, you know, sort of assumed like that's where <laughs> the Japanese Americans got that mm-hmm. sort of culture and mentality. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I talked to uh, my collaborator for the um, Children Remember Project, Chishao Hata, and we talk about Shikata Ganai a lot. How it, um, you know, come about. I mean, how how Japanese American translated it and it's still like really in that culture. Yeah. Really ingrained, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, you was your, your grandmother was a dressmaker and mm-hmm. she was a kimono maker. Owned a shop, like um No, she's kimono just shop, uh, or just independent. Mm-hmm. At home. Mm. Back in days a lot of women are doing that because it's all handmade. Yeah, mm. so my grandma was one of them taking, oh, wow. taking uh, you know, more like a personal order from the little village. Mm-hmm. That somebody wants oh, new okay. kimono, and mm-hmm. she's, she saw it for them. Oh, that's good. So that that sort of um, kind of helped evolve your, your own art practice using fabrics? Yeah, so... Um, it's during my MFA pro, uh, program, actually. Um, so I went to Vermont College of Fine Arts, and uh-huh. um, I actually went there as a, a, a two-dimensional painter. Oh. oh, cool. Oil painter. And it was kind of the skill that I was, um, I know that I have that skill. So that was the thing that I can bring to my MFA. Right. <laughs> Did you always used to draw as a kid? Right. Mm-hmm. So I know that I'm good at it. And I know that that's how I, I was believing that that's how I got my MFA. I, I mean, I, I enter my MFA program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, as the semester goes, my faculty members and uh, uh, artist teacher and advisor or studies studies to ask me like you have a s- very specific message do you think mm-hmm. your um, your material your the things that you use to express your voice is really speaking your voice so you had to re-examine what you were doing. Mm-hmm. How did you start, how did you evolve into fabrics? 
Well, so I was pretty in a confusing, um, kind of sad place. <laughs> 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 and I was like, started to read Dalida and deconstruction and all that stuff. And, uh, and postmodern stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was, I was really confused. And, and that's, that's pretty much what uh, MFA does that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you question stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. like change your uh, perception, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, so I had to really think about it. And I was, yeah, I was in my bedroom and I just saw this uh, grandma's kimono hanging. And I was just, you know, in this pretty dark place. I said, I just want to disassemble. Mm. Grandma's kimono. Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> de deconstruct, deconstruct everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was the time that idea of using kimono came mm. about. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I love some of your art pieces. Yeah, that I... I learned that it's really important in mm -hmm. making art, like yeah. the process and also editing is mm. really, really crucial. Yeah. And my, um, I had a, I was really lucky. I had Roger Shimomura as oh. my artist teacher because oh, it's yeah, a low residency program. So mm -hmm. I can choose my artist teacher or mentor. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah whoever wow. I want and whoever I can meet and and talk during the semester. And I'm, I'm not too familiar with Roger's work. What's sort of like his, his main aesthetic? So he's a first-generation um, internment camp survivor. Mm. He spent his uh, childhood, like I think he was four, when oh, he wow. was interned, mm -hmm. yeah. So mm. his subject, I mean, he's a, a painter, but he tapped into that time and the subject over and over and over. Oh wow! Yeah, it's That's pretty important strong. Stuff. And he also put himself in the in the work too, and yeah, he he has way to find or juxtaposing the images, which is unexpected. So when you see his painting, a lot of time when you see his painting, you go like, what's going on? <laughs> and so that painting mm. will invite people to come closer. Mm. Oh. And then they'll realize what they are seeing. Yeah. yeah. And then force you to sort of question and recontextualize. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of things. Huh? So his mentorship really helped you mm -hmm. turn the corner and gain, you know, gain better understanding. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like That's what? Good. What does it mean to, like how? Why am I making art? Like right. mm -hmm. What's what is you, what is the reason and what can be edited out? And I did this exercise um, making actually yeah creating haikus with mm -hmm. him too oh. and so he taught me how to simplify sentences or the the art piece is actually making it oftentimes stronger yeah like distill like yeah. boiling down something mm -hmm. to a more kind of core core essence um that's powerful, yeah. Was it um, writing haikus in English or Japanese? We did both, but oh, Roger okay. don't speak Japanese, so, mm, so yeah. So for him it was English, mm -hmm. but you, you know, had written, had you written them as, as uh, in Japanese growing up? Was that part of the regular kind of education mm -hmm. back home? Mm. Mm -hmm. That's what I figured. Yeah. Mm. So, like, simple words have a lot of... It has a lot of uh, potential. We can use difficult words, but those complicated words don't really give you that much options. That's so, 
using the simple words actually yeah it's 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 a good tool to suggest something while you are not very specific about something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you were able to then sort of like translate that to your art pieces i think so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah when did uh, you get the idea for um the suspended moment kind of exhibition that you did um so my art piece kind of removed from the wall right mm-hmm. <laughs> so now it's in a three-dimensional space as an mm. object and that's when I I felt the impact of the space surrounding it mm-hmm. is all like part of the artwork mm-hmm. and it's activating it's like because of the art object the space is no longer the the space that wasn't activated Oh, right. So suddenly there mm-hmm. is this performative element. Mm. Right. There's the change yeah, yeah. change yeah. of state kind uh-huh. of thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, that's and that was Roger too. That's fascinating. Like, okay, it's a performance piece. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I I you know, I was a two dimensional, you know, artist and I, I I'm like really typical artist who wants to stay inside right, all the shy time. of Kind right. of edging out. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. want to like really share. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're in your medium. You're safe there, right? Yeah. yeah. And I love that, you know, secu- safe feeling. Security, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, so it was a total shock for me. But yeah, Roger um, made a lot of uh, performance piece too. Oh, okay. Um, actually, one of his, I think, older students are publishing the book about his performance piece. Oh, cool. Oh, and wow. it's mi- it should be coming out this year, maybe next year. But, yeah, so sh- he has this background of, you know, how performance art can be used. Like, like his subject is really specific. And my subject is, you know, quite specific as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, helping me to use this tool, mm-hmm. performance. Mm-hmm. The um, engagement with the piece becomes the performance. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. That's really cool. So, yeah, slowly, <laughs> <laughs> Roger was like pushing me to <laughs> yeah. that direction. Okay. And then, like, at the end of the MFA program, after two years, I had already um, this idea of combining uh, Bhutto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was actually curious how you thought, you know, initially of, like, um, incorporating the Bhutto dance with your artwork. Um. I think it was something that I was that that kind of image was already already there. So probably growing growing up in mm-hmm. Japan, I guess I I had I sort of had that image and I met Buto dancer Mishi in 2014 or 2013 and yeah, I already know that this is the dance that I want mm-hmm. to have with my piece. And Mishi felt the same way. So that's how we, we are sti- still working on. He's actually coming to my residency. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it continues. And, and I also... So I'm taking Mishi's Buto class mm-hmm. um, every week, and I I feel like Buto helps people to be more um, to have empathy because you understand you understand your original body more. So there is like a different level 
in the class to understand each other. Like in our daily life, you understand other using your head.、Mm-hmm. But in Buto class, it's the process of finding the original body.、Oh, so、wow. it's a different way of understanding the person who are dancing with you. For, for listeners who might not be that knowledgeable about what Buto is, could you give a little bit of a description and maybe a little、mm-hmm. bit of its history as well? So, Buto emerged after the war, Second World、mm-hmm. War II.、Uh, oh, se- so Second World War. <laughs> it's a recent art form. Yeah, it's a contemporary art. And it emerged within that culture, like everything is destroyed. And it emerged out of ash. Right? Yeah, wow.、Um, so they had to question what is this dance form that they were, they were taught when they were young, like this European art form.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they have to have this like, original dance that is different from, from the dance that they learned、mm-hmm. growing up.、Um, And they have to like really dig in and see from within like who they are and how their body mm-hmm, mm-hmm.、Um, works. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful.、Uh, was it a sense that the Eurocentric art forms were tied up with militaristic pre war、mm. kind of culture and they wanted to go back to? Yeah, that's an interesting point. Maybe. A different time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not too familiar with, you know, like modernism as a movement, you know, in Japan. And I only know of like a couple poets that, that worked kind of like translated into Japanese, a lot of European poetry.、Mm-hmm. And、um, uh, one of them, you know, died young. And a lot of the survivors were, were、um, caught up in trying to avoid getting purged or like, Um, by the government, and so they、mm-hmm. kind of went along with、um, the dominant culture at the time.、Mm-hmm. And so,、um, many, after the war, many of them were discredited because, because of that, and maybe European dance forms were similar.、Mm-hmm. I don't know.、Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just thinking about so after the Edo period,、um, so Japan had to face、uh, this. You know, they had to open the country、mm-hmm. by the pressure,、uh, Western power, and all that. So、um, they had to westernize、right. uh, the whole nation. And yeah, so during the Meiji and Taisho, there were a lot of art form and all the, yeah, everything、um, needs to be updated. Up to the standard. So,、mm-hmm. yeah, it was like really encouraged for people, young people from all, all different genre to,、mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes go to America and go to European、mm-hmm. country to study. I see. So, yeah, I could see how kind of reclaiming the original body、mm-hmm. is, a, is a kind of healing, very. Sort of like healing way to deal with the trauma. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine after it, it feels like your, your country's just been like defeated and devastated, you need something that feels like a rebirth, right?、Mm-hmm. Like a grounding type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're tuned in to Pacific Underground on KBU Community Radio. As a reminder, Pacific Underground is currently on hiatus. And if you would like to become a member, we are searching for more new members. There will be information on how to contact us at the end of the episode. You are currently listening to a rerun episode from February of 2019. Yeah, so、uh, could you tell us a little bit about the,、um, the, the little boy model that's in your piece? Um, so, Little Boy is the,、uh, the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima、um, in August 6, 1945. And 
I I made replica of little boy using my grandma's kimono, and I stitched them together with my hair. Mm-hmm. So I'm a I, I'm a third generation Hibakusha, which means my grandfather was the grandparents, is the Hibakusha, which means that Hibaku means ready radiation affected people. Um, so that means that there is this ongoing study or uh, you know ongoing. S- speculation about genetic mutation, genetic mm. problems mm-hmm. or genetic, right. af- you know, affected by DNA, affected by the radiation. Like Carrying that. down, right. Mm-hmm. So Epi- Epigenetic trauma, I think they call it. Something yeah. like that, but maybe radiation specific. Yeah, radiation is more like a, um, a direct mm-hmm. effect. Because yeah, you get like actual genetic birth defects and things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, f- I thought that's interesting is to, you know, use my hair as a third generation because it, it goes down to generation if, you know, if your DNA mm-hmm. is damaged, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. goes down to the generation and that's what people fear mm. about the, about radiation mm-hmm. in general, right? Yeah. Right, so, yeah. um, yeah, I, I thought it's a it's a good tool to use and and because it's my grandma's kimono and my gimo, uh, my grandma um, you know touched touched it and and you know hand stitched it so there is this juxtaposition of um, like skin mm-hmm. and. And you know my hair as mm-hmm. as a um, hibaksha, so yeah. As using these materials, I I I was in this place that um, I can talk about history of Hiroshima, and then this uh, little boy image um, kind of emerged. So I decided to make the. The, <laughs> the symbolic mm-hmm. yeah. image. Because it's also your grandmother's DNA in the hair also, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, instead of the bomb is like really heavy metal right. object, but um, uh, by using, instead of metal, kimono and fabric and mm-hmm. hair, it's it's a soft structure, right. yeah. so there is this juxtaposition mm-hmm. or the com- uh, kind of comparing in a challenging way how mm. I um, deal with this symbolic image. Yeah, because it's hard to talk about directly, but um, if you have a piece of art that, you know, and especially one that, because um, I think of clothes as something that, like, you know, is almost necessary for life. Mm-hmm. You know, it like it shelters us, and so something that's like almost like life-giving as compared to, you know, something that brings death. And so, like, I found that very powerful. Yeah. So that's the other part. Like when we were. Um, we think about war, you know, using books and materials. We don't really talk about the um, the individual, you know, people and victims. And so this piece kind of, in a way, suggesting or helping people to bring it down to human scale. Right. Yeah. So... Like, you know, um, when when American people th- uh, talk about Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the image they, that they have is this mushroom cloud, um, cloud, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And but for people from Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, the we were under 
the mushroom crowd. So mm -hmm. that's really not the, you know, uh, people who were there, they didn't see mushroom crowd. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They, right. were, they were yeah. in it. Yeah. So the image is totally different. It's dehumanizing. It yeah, is, yeah. To look at it from up yeah. above. Mm -hmm. It takes it away from, you know, many of the real effects. You know, it's it's an abstraction almost. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that was you know? kind of purposeful though too, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I I went to high school here and we like briefly, very briefly <laughs> learned about it. Um, and it was just kind of amazing how like you said like it's it's not humanizing at all it's just thought of as an event and then honestly it's almost like the more people die the less the individual people matter um mm. you know mm -hmm. and there were tons of people in my class who when we talked about it were like yeah it was it was necessary you know mm -hmm. so yeah. it was i mean um i had a, a bachan a grandmother um who was in japan during that time, she was she wasn't you know hibakusha, so she wasn't like directly affected by the by the atom bombs, but she you know was like running away from other bombs that were being dropped and things like that. And so, in high school, when I was learning about that and also just like learning about the American perception of it, mm -hmm. it was like a very traumatizing thing. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, how was it for you coming to America and sort of like seeing how? Americans perceived it and like putting your work out there mm. to an American audience? Well, I kind of already knew and also okay. um, as we talked about Shikataganai, mm -hmm. that was the mentality that I grew up mm -hmm. with. So a lot of in, uh, a lot of people in Hiroshima uh, believes like second generation and third generation think that it was necessary too mm -hmm. and that was that was the education that mm -hmm. we had that's interesting that it was also over there too mm -hmm. well so yeah. after the second world war um what i believe is that japan was not fully independent nation um and it was like a sub nation of the the united yeah. states because of the treaty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, American militarization is like really existing as we speak. Yes, in, absolutely. In that land. Yeah. So. Yeah. And being occupied, being an occupied people, mm -hmm. it's hard to really like be objective about history when right. you have somebody a lot of military still there. Somebody to else this is day. writing it for you, basically. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's. Uh, as we speak, it's it's still going. Like Japanese government don't talk about uh, issues and subjects that American government don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So if America um, encourage people to teach that way about the atomic bomb, you know, naturally or um, yeah, obviously, I think that's what uh, the education system like say okay mm -hmm. that's how <laughs> that's how mm -hmm. we teach our kids yeah and I think also um, yeah the, the education also was affected some by the occupying you know people um, I, I read about how, how um, MacArthur was treated when mm -hmm. you know he was almost like uh, a king or something just below the emperor mm -hmm. in Japan it's just like as as you know people were trying to survive and were very traumatized like it was a coping coping mechanism mm -hmm. like you said mm -hmm. so um could you tell us a little bit about the um children remember project because that's sort of um you know within within that culture of kind of like uh survival mentality there's still you know efforts by you know some of the teachers that was it your old high school in mm -hmm. Hiroshima to uh, to remember some of these narratives? Yeah, so Children Remember is uh, the project that is done by, well, um, the organization who initiated the project is 
uh, Hiroshima Peace Memorial Park. So they were uh, trying to find the partnership with the local school. Um, so they actually tried the, uh, the uh, Hiroshima City University first. Mm-hmm. Um, but after a uh, couple of years, they decided to partner with Motomachi High School, um, mm. which is uh, uh, the school I went. And, um, and also one of the schools who actually ha- have uh, like art curriculum so it's a very unique school. Mm. And so it started 2007. And uh, what, what they do is... Um, they so have after a you've already moved here. Yeah. After you are in the U.S., mm-hmm. but you heard about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was... <clears throat> I, I guess I was, like, looking at Twitter or something, and mm. that just, uh, you know, oh, pops wow. up about the, the Motomachi High School student, Genbaku no E, which means the, the drawing of the atomic bomb mm-hmm. uh, atrocity. So yeah, it was a coincidence that, that I just looked at it and yeah, learned about this project that is happening now. And it was last year um, I had a chance to go back to Hiroshima and I contacted the school and the teacher who are in charge of the the project, he invited me over and we had an interview and he also invited three of the students who were undergoing the, the children remember. Wow. So yeah, I had a chance. I had a chance to talk to them and um, and talk about their process. So it's a one-year-long project. After the initial meeting, um, which uh, each student are assigned to uh, finish one painting after the um, after the year, and so and they are kind of assigned to the specific site that they are going to paint to. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, each student partner with Hibaksha, a first generation atomic bomb survivor, and they'll hear the story from the survivor. Okay. And after that, it's up to each student mm-hmm. to go back to the Hibaksha and show their sketch and then the the narrative or the dialogue starts and it's it's just um yeah incredible project that high school student mm-hmm. you know 16 17 years old are going to uh hibaksha who are you know at least in their 80s or late 80s and some of them are 90 yeah. in their 90s and talk about the the memories that each Hibaksha has. And I was just asking a bunch of questions to these uh, students. And yeah, I, I was just so moved by their, their power of imagination. Mm-hmm. And I was, yeah, I, w- I felt really hopeful, like, it's it's so uh, kind of different from just listening the the testimony because the mm. student actually have to visualize it mm-hmm. right so in order to do that they have different process the brain go through a different process to to make this scene mm-hmm. And in a way, I felt like this is like secondhand witness. Like mm. they are more close to like actually witnessing the scene. So it's yeah. like mm. really traumatized event for these, you know, mm-hmm. young students. Mm-hmm. But so impactful. Yeah. And they were so, yeah. The ima- uh, the power of imagination also uh, also their um, sympathy. And um, yeah, there are there are more f- 
I feel like they're more sensitive, and like they have more receiving power.、Mm. And I feel like this is kind of project that can be applied to so many different communities.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I took all this concept back to、um, Chisau. Mm-hmm. Back to Portland, and and Chisao said, "Okay, we can do some kind of community、um, event、mm-hmm. uh, that is suggesting more like、uh, the experience of children remember、right. than just just、um, exhibition."、Mm-hmm. So we made this uh, uh, poetic text and perform. Yeah, like a choral poem. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we were thinking.、Uh, actually, we actually did、um, the last one a couple weeks ago. So oh, yeah, we've been doing it three times already, and we were thinking like this might be something that、uh, we can continue going. That's great. And involving different communities、mm-hmm. to join us、yeah. as well. So there is a potential for. Children, remember. Yeah, there's something powerful about sort of like receiving that or sharing, you know, sharing the story, so、mm-hmm. so that the survivor doesn't have to go through it alone. There's something really powerful that you mentioned that one of the hibakusha said、uh, to you about how they felt when they shared it with the student and like kind of like、mm. left the story with them.、Mm-hmm. Do you remember what that w- was? Well, it's Chisel、uh, was suggesting <coughs> that、um, last time that we were meeting, like this piece is like really important for high school students, but it's also important for Hibakusha. It's such a healing process for Hibakusha to talk to, you know, someone younger than、mm-hmm. their grandchildren, maybe. And I, I mean, it, it's a different level of being hard. Right, because、mm-hmm. the image—I mean, the the memory was translated into this image work、mm-hmm. work yeah. of art. Yeah, yeah, and they had to go back a couple times. You mentioned like one of the、mm-hmm. one of the artists said their hibakusha said there's like to add more bodies or something like that. Right? right? Yeah.、Wow. It's like,、oh. yeah.、Mm-hmm. My gosh. Yeah. So after the initial meeting, they go back with their sketchbook, right?、Mm-hmm. So, so the the that's when their their、um, conversation, I mean, dialogue starts, and Hibakusha have to be more specific, and、yeah. student has to be more specific about, you know, what what color、mm-hmm. should I、mm-hmm. apply on this on this. You know, human skin or、yeah. something pretty, you know, grotesque、yeah. and really hard for high school students to deal with. But that's what they they talk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. during the course. And yeah, I one of the student told me that she has gone back to her hibakusha ten times. Ten、mm. times. And and also. Talk on the phone too.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's quite a project. That's, that yeah, that's like, yeah. amazing.、Mm-hmm. I'm glad that exists out there.、Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that、uh, you and Chisao have been、mm-hmm. kind of like signal boosting and yeah, bringing attention to that.、Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. I think it could apply to a lot of communities.、Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just like a one sided thing of like the Hibakusha saying something. To、mm. the student, the student just doing it. It's like so much of a give and take, right? Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard I've heard of that also when they've set up students with, like,、um, in interviews with people,、um, students in the Philippines. Sorry,、mm-hmm. um, with people who were tortured during the dictatorship,、mm-hmm. and like, oh, martial law wasn't that bad at first. The students are saying because there's a lot of silencing and in, in our communities and、uh, a lot of miseducation,、mm-hmm. and then.、Um, And then little by little, the the interviewee reveals, oh yeah, you know they taped me to a car battery or something r-、uh, mm-hmm. grotesque, and like all these sort of stories, and you know you see the student like there's a change, they're really affected, and a lot of times 
because of the trauma they're crying to. And, you know, I've heard of, yeah, people who are, have interviewed, you know, other other sort of like World War II survivors or something like that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, concentration camp survivors. It's like, it's so necessary and so powerful mm-hmm. to like not, not uh, isolate these stories and let them die because the elders, you know, they're getting, they're getting older. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the part like Children Remember Project <coughs> is probably not gonna last. Like it, it won't, uh, it won't go on another ten years for sure. Because of the, the Kibaksha generation. Mm-hmm. 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 So that's the reality that we have too. Yeah, it's almost a race against time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your um, collaboration with uh, Allison Cobb, mm-hmm. poet? So Allison cool is uh, actually from Los Alamos, New Mexico. She mm-hmm. lives in Portland, Oregon now, uh, but she grew up in Los Alamos and uh, uh, had father is a scientist mm-hmm. and sh- he and worked Los Alamos is where the research for all the mm-hmm. atomic bombs and oh. and everything was performed so it was a very big facility mm-hmm. in that Manhattan project mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this so. is the city that little boy which dropped on Hiroshima and fat man dropped on Nagasaki were built mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so um, we met um, through our mutual friend and we started kind of slowly started talking mm-hmm. and uh, um, yeah but we we found that we have a lot of common and a lot of things that uh, there are this deeper understanding of the history even we, if uh, we are from the, you know, opposite end, mm-hmm. right? Um, but in a way, that helps us to see the event differently from mm-hmm. the other people because right. it's so personal for us. Right. right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so we were feeling encouraged to talk um, mm. deeper about how we see the history and mm-hmm. how we uh, feel affected by it. And I, yeah, I, I invited her to be in this, uh, to be in a performance piece, Suspended a Moment. And Arison started taking the Bhutto class. Mm-hmm. And then she, um, well, I think it was Mishi Artisan and I, and also sound person Lisa. Um, while we are talking, uh, suspended a moment. Artisan said, uh, "That's that's when I think she wrote a poem mm. called We Must Look.'" Mm. Okay. And this poem is based on a 2016 Obama visit to Hiroshima. Okay. And that oh, was yeah, I think I, I think I, I heard that poem. I remember that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, first the sitting president visiting Hiroshima. Cause she, she took his words right from mm-hmm. the speech. Mm-hmm. So That's it was cool. a significant event, but the um, yeah, and and she took Obama's speech that he made in Hiroshima in two thousand sixteen mm-hmm. and used it as uh. Um, kind of deconstruct mm-hmm. the piece and uh, make it in a way that we think um, w- it shift our perspective or way of understanding of what he is actually saying. Right. Yeah, that was a really neat piece. I remember that. So, Arison suggested me to translate the the poem. So. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this component of English and Japanese, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and so now this poem is um, like part of his uh, English, Arson's voice and my voice, sort of echoing the translation. Mm-hmm. 
of what it was, uh, what it said. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And then you got to perform that in Los Alamos, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mm-hmm. took a trip to the, you know, one of the reactor sites or something in Hanford, right? Yeah. Uh, so Los Alamos, we, w- we took the piece to um, the place called Hula Lodge. And mm. that's where the, you know, during the Manhattan Project, mm-hmm. all the scientists were, uh, it's a, like, community place that they had a social activities mm-hmm. oh, wow. happen in that place. So, um, are there uh, any other uh, projects you have coming up besides your residency in this that mm. you'd like so to promote? In a... Uh, in my art residency, I am um, um, trying to trying to project my work to the pueblos, mm. and like what I am um, intending to do is I want to have uh, start building the relationship with the pueblo communities and mm-hmm. and. Uh, well, people who are affected by this, you know, nuclear issue. Because mm-hmm. they're the people that originally owned the land that Los Alamos was taken from. Mm-hmm. And um, also the people who are af- probably affected the most by the, the nuclear contamination that's right. there. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's always, you know, the indigenous population Population yeah. is always the um, the people who get who yeah. are most affected, yeah. and I'm I was interested in this because the more I um, understand Hanford, mm-hmm. I find out about Yakama Nation and yeah. Colombia. Mm-hmm. You know the dam project. Yeah. One like the sacred mountain that they won't give back that's like on the Anford mm-hmm. reservation um mm-hmm. it's like a spiritual place and um yeah it's just even in Portland's backyard right on the Columbia River yes it's so tragic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i had a, a chance to talk to Alfreda Peter from mm-hmm. Yakama Nation like uh late December and uh yeah she's educating the um the nation yakama nation what hanford means to them right before before yeah. hanford <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so um yeah she, she she taught me how sacred land was and right. how mm-hmm. how we need to find i mean see the land as not like contaminated land, but that was the the mm-hmm. land once it was loved and um, mm. taken care of mm-hmm. right. throughout the generation. Yeah. So yeah, there powerful. is spirit and there is God in that land, and you know that was kind of washed out or you know brutally destroyed or. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were made to not to feel it anymore. Mm-hmm. We're we're told that we're not think of the land as a part of us, right? Right. It's it's think of us as separate. I mean, especially contaminated land too. It's just like oh, you know, just discarded. It's it's like useless. It's mm-hmm. there's nothing mm-hmm. growing in it anymore or whatever. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Land that's something that uh, we use. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Or like own, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The idea of sovereignty mm-hmm. of like settler, you know, um, yeah. settler states. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Native American has totally different, you know, way of understanding the land, understanding Hanford, right? Understanding Los Alamos. Different value system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I am really intrigued by. So. That's something that I'm like really aiming. Oh, to that's do great that awesome. you're able to yeah. connect with the actual nations. That like, um, wow. Well, uh, good luck with that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I hope you have a great residency. And mm-hmm. is there any other artists or like people 
you know, like um, uh, recommend to us on the show? Yeah, you just said, uh, talked about Kathy briefly. Yeah, oh, she's yeah. like really important yeah. artist in our community. Kathy Gentle Kitchener, like we're hoping to have her on the show mm-hmm. eventually. Um, if you're listening, Kathy, you're probably not, but <laughs> get in touch. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and Chisao, your collaborator, mm-hmm. Chisao Ata, um, and Allison Cobb, mm-hmm. both friends of the show. Yep. Yeah. Anybody else you can think of? Mm, not at the moment. Okay. <laughs> Well, um, thanks so much for coming yeah, to join thank us, you Yuki. Thank you so much. Yeah, you had it was a great a really time. meaningful discussion for me, too. And um, you've been listening to Pacific Underground. I'm Jake with Yuki and then Sarah. Yep. So thanks for listening. listening to KBOO Portland at 90.7 FM and streaming on the web kboo.fm. I'm Don Jacobson and moving on, we'll be here in just a few minutes right after the news. <laughs>